All right, it is Song Psalms Sunday again, and so sit back and enjoy this tune. You're broken down and tired, and living life on a merry-go-round. You can't find the fighter, but I see it in you, so we can walk it out and We can walk it out at Ooh, mountains And I'll rise up, I'll rise like the day I'll rise up, I'll rise unafraid I'll rise up, and I'll do it a thousand times again I'll rise up, I'll rise like the wind
Amen. Amen. Wow. What a great song that she picked. And boy, did they just do a great job of lining it out there for us. And, and you say, hey, what's this all about? Well, welcome to Psalm Songs. This is the song that we're doing for today. And uh, it just so happens that it fits in really, really well to where we are and, and, and what we're doing. I just uh, a couple of weeks ago, a month ago almost, really felt like the Lord said that this one needed to be about the things that we're scared of. And uh, how, you know, like in the song, you, you heard this, this woman singing and you can hear her heart. And she's saying, I, I, I might be put down. I might be scared. I might be locked up in fear. I might be, I mean, it could be all kinds of circumstances but I will not stay down. It's not gonna happen. I'm gonna rise back up and I'm gonna rise back up and I'm gonna rise back up. And that's what I wanna look at the idea today is not living in fear and not letting it um, um, freeze us in a place in time and, and, and rising up from it and saying, hey, we're not gonna uh, be a people that's afraid. Um, I was looking at uh, David's psalm in Psalm 56, and David's psalm in Psalm 56 is about when um, his son tries to tell, is it his son? No, it's when um, Saul is, is trying to kill him. So, you know, we don't have it as bad as Saul does because, you know, I don't know about you, but my father-in-law was never chucking spears at me, all right? But his father-in-law wanted him dead. And so one of the things he did was he ran off and hid. And he hid in, the, in a different kingdom, and here's the crazy part when you're reading it. He hid in a town called Gath. Now, the only thing I know about Gath is that Goliath came from there. The only, one of the most notorious things I know about David is he killed Goliath from Gath. Now, I know cities weren't as big back then as they are now just from the excavations that take place. So you had to believe that his brothers were there. You had to believe that his family was there. And so there comes David. He comes running, trying to hide from Saul. Saul is trying to chase him down all over the place. David comes in. The people of Gath take him to the king of Gath and say, hey, here's David. You know, they had to know this is the one that killed Goliath. And David, in just an absolute, almost hilarious, almost Hollywood, but all too real moment, starts pushing slobber out of his face. They bring him and they say, this is David, the one that killed him. He starts going out of his, and it's, the scripture says it got, it run down his beard. And he started going, uh, uh, you monsters. They, literally it says, you brought this guy in here and he's crazy and he's out of his mind. He's drooling down his face and, and you brought him into my presence. Are you kidding me? Get him out of here. And so that's the picture of David writing this song that we call a Psalm 56. He's not going to be kept down. David knows who he is. David is a man of God. He is the anointed king of, uh, of God's people, even though he's not the, the um, acting king at this point because he won't, he won't kill Saul. God has to remove Saul. But he's been anointed and so here he is hiding, and he's scared, and he writes this psalm, Psalm 56. I'm just going to read a couple of verses. I didn't want to read the whole thing. We'll get back to the end of it at the end of this message. But he says, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you, God, in God whose words I praise. In God I trust, and I am not afraid. What can mere men, uh, mere mortals, excuse me, do to me? And so we have this picture of a man who is absolutely afraid. It is not wrong for us to be afraid. It's kind of crazy because David is willing to say, listen, I'm afraid. 
And yet we live in a society of men that are like, listen, we can't talk about being afraid. You know, like, I'm afraid I'm not going to do that. We might say that. But we don't talk about being afraid. We don't talk about it with our spouses. We don't talk about it with our friends. We don't just show up and say, hey, man, how you doing? Yeah, well, I'm afraid. We, we just don't do that. That's not what it means to be a man. You don't be afraid. But we're afraid of things, aren't we? We're afraid of spiders. I'm afraid of spiders. I'm afraid of spiders like I don't like spiders. I'm not afraid of spiders like, um, you know, I'm not going to walk through a doorway if there's a spider web. I'm just going to duck low. I'm going to, my skin's going to crawl. I'm going to creep out. It's not going to get on me, but still it's a spider. I'll burn the house down, but it's, it's a spider, okay? Some of you keep posting spiders, and I think you do it to spite me, okay? I snooze you for 30 days every time you do that to me. Okay, if you're doing it to your mom and it shows up on my feed, boom, you got snoozed. 30 days, you're, you're in timeout for 30 days for spiders, okay? I don't like spiders. On the other hand, some of you in here are afraid of snakes. You know, and, and listen, it's a, that's, that's biblical. It's okay. The scripture says, I will put enmity between you and the serpent, between the serpent and your offspring, right? So it's okay for that. On the other hand, I'm the kid that all my summers were spent running around in fields, picking up rocks and boards and grabbing all the snakes I could and putting them in an aquarium and taking them home. My mom did not let me bring them in the house, but she said I could keep them out in the shed. And so I kept them for a long time. I'm 60 years old and my mom still brings that up. As I'm sharing that with you, it occurs to me, I might should apologize next time I'm in her presence. <laughs> Clearly, it unnerved her for the last, you know, uh, 50 years. I'm 60 now. I would have been about 10. Some of you are afraid of big dogs. You are. I am not afraid of big dogs. Some of you are afraid of little dogs. You should be. Okay? <laughs> I'm sorry. Big dogs get a bad rap. Have you ever seen a chihuahua? Okay, with all due respect to me overly generalizing those of you that own chihuahuas, train the dog. Just train the dog. But you get that chihuahua, and it's about the size of an overgrown rat when you bring it home, you know, and, and then you just like, well, you can't punish it. It's too small. You can't speak sternly to it. You might break its heart. And so what happens next? It gnaws through every person that comes in the house, attaches itself severely at their ankle, and they walk around doing like this with your dog. Nobody's ever done that with my dog. I've opened the door and they've run back to their cars, but that's their problem. I have friendly dogs. As long as you don't make her scream and holler, you're good to go, okay? But some of you are afraid of big dogs, some little dogs. Now, those are kind of silly things, aren't they? Some of you are afraid of the ocean. It's like, I'll get on the boat, but I'm not getting out of the boat if I can't see the shore. And I'll do that in a heartbeat. It doesn't bother me at all. We went to Australia for our 25th wedding anniversary, saved up some money, and they took me like, they, we hopped on this big like um, um, hydrofoil, and we went due east for an hour. And, and then I jumped off the back of the boat with a tank on, and my wife was just like, she's like, when she tells a story, it's like, I just watched my husband get off the boat in the middle of the ocean, and then the boat drove off. And I don't know where he was. Don't know if I'll ever see him again. But it just happened that there's a, con a consistent current out there. And we ended up in the current. And it's called a drift dive. And we drifted all along um, the, the, the uh, um, what is it called? 
The, the Great Barrier Reef, sorry, thank you. Uh, she helps me here. Um, the Holy Spirit works powerfully through her sometimes. Okay, and so all along the Great Barrier Reef, right up to this little place where there was an island, okay? But there are people that are like, I cannot believe you got off the boat in the middle of nowhere. You couldn't see shore, and it took you an hour to get out there into the middle of the ocean. It's like some people are afraid of that. But see, then we get to things like some people are afraid of death. Some people are afraid for their health. Something's going on. Now, I'm not talking, listen, I'm not talking about COVID, we're done, okay? But some people are afraid for their health. What if I get dementia? What if I get cancer? What if I get, and, and you know, kind of, we, we think about those things. Now, you know, if you're in here and you're like 30 years old and you're like, what, I'm bulletproof. What are you talking? <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> Wait till you hit 50, okay? Things just start breaking and falling off and you're going to the doctor to get new parts, okay? I'm thanking God for technology, but still, it's there. You worry about your, your health. You worry about your children's future. And it begins to debilitate you. You begin to worry about your finances, the end of your life, and how that's all going to play out. And it begins to debilitate you. Some of you are in here right now, and you're probably, and again, I'm just making a guess, a general statement. You're worried about your job. You know, you're not sure that, you know, your company got bought out or something like that. And you're like, wow, what's this going to mean? What's going on? How are things going to, is the economy going to recover? Some of you are there. Is the economy actually going to recover? Some of you are in relationships and you're like, man, I, I, I'm, I'm scared of this relationship. I'm scared to be honest. I'm scared to be open. I'm scared to be myself. I'm scared to share. I'm scared. Some of you are like, I'm scared to get into a relationship because I'll get rejected. Somebody won't like me. They, they'll think that I'm not this or I'm not that. And, and you're, you just are afraid that you can't be you. As you, hit, as you sit here hearing me talk about this, what is it you're afraid of? If, if I had to say, put it in your hands, put it right there, what are you afraid of? Screwing up again? I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I live in fear of failure. I do. I am scared to death of failing. I don't want to fail at my marriage. I don't want to scale, uh, fail as a parent. I, I certainly don't want to fail as a church planter. I don't want to fail as a pastor. I don't want to fail when you're sitting in my office and we're just trying to find Jesus together for something you're going through. I don't want to fail. See, I don't want to fail with my, my dogs. I don't want to fail with my grandkids. I, I'm, I'm just like, God, what if I fail? What if I fail? What if something happens? But what are you scared of? What would you put in your hands? What would you say, Pastor Joe, if, if, if you're saying it's okay for me to be honest and I'm not going to be ashamed or embarrassed or you're not going to come after me, <laughs> this is what I'm afraid of. This is the thing. This is what I'm afraid of. As a child, my early childhood, up into my mid-20s, I was already married, I guess, at that point, I had an abject fear that would invade my dreams and turn them into nightmares all the time. Have you ever had one of those nightmares as an adult where it was just so awful and all you could do in your dream is scream Jesus and you woke up trying to verbalize his name but it wouldn't come out because your body didn't know if you were awake or asleep, if you should scream out loud or not. And, and I, I had that often. I would be getting chased through this big two-story colonial house and all you would hear was, oh, and it was awful. And, and, and I would wake up drenched in sweat and even into to my early married years we had no children 
I, this was just the thing that was pursuing me, and I'm trying to scream Jesus' name. And it was horrifying. It was debilitating to some degree because I would close my eyes, and it's like, Lord, give me a good dream. Lord, give me a good dream. It didn't happen three or four times a week, but it happened enough that it, it really started getting at me. And then one night in December, I realized what it was. It was the bumble. I'm not lying. It was the bumble. As a little kid, I watched this show every single year. And I actually have one of those in my office right now because my sister heard me share this story one time, and so she bought me one. Uh, but I, for whatever reason, him chasing you know, the dentist and Yukon Jack and you know, Rudolph and everybody through the, the Alps, and, and all you heard was the moaning and the yelling, and it was just like, he's going to get him. And then it's like, I'm 24 years old. And I told my wife, that's it. That's it right there on the TV. And she said, what? She said, that's what's terrifying me. She said, you're terrified? See, men don't share things that make them scared, especially not with the people that they want to feel safe around, right? It's like, I want her to feel like I can like, conquer the world. I can't even beat up the bumble. It's like, come on. And there it was. And it was going on in my life. And it's like, yeah. That's it right there. That guy owned my dreams for so long. One of the things that I learned about being scared is it, 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 uh, it, it uh, facilitates, let's use that word, it facilitates inside of you one of three responses. It, it occurred to me when I was sharing this earlier that it's one of three responses. You're going to run as fast as you can away from it. Okay? Not an option for me right now. Okay? I will be the one that saves your life because the bear eats me, okay? So it's uh, flight, it's frozen, it will lock you up. You ever watch that movie and here comes the dinosaur and that guy's standing there going, ah, and you're thinking, run, come on, run. Well, it's fear, it will lock you up. Or it facilitates the fight, see? And so that's what's going on. And so um, as I'm living my life, it's like, I need to be aware of this. It does these type of things to you, all right? Um, but but it, it will do one of those. You'll, you'll flight, you'll freeze, you'll fight. And, and, and you, you want to see the truth of this? I was just doing some study on fear. You want to see the truth of this? Have you ever seen those videos where like that, that, you know, that husband's hiding behind the door and his wife's coming through with a laundry basket or you know, maybe she's got dinner and somebody's birthday cake and he jumps out and goes, ha! like that and she just flings it everywhere and goes pow and I, I like the one I mean there's one she knocked him clear out I mean he went pow, down on the floor and it's like that would be the fight okay and then you see the one where they scare the bejeebers out of grandma and she's like ah she's backing up and tripping over things and you know gets a concussion and I think who what kind of normal people do that to their grandma this world is full of sociopaths. I'm just letting you know. Nobody in their good, healthy, right mind does that to their... Your grandma loves you. Your grandma's where you go when your mama doesn't love you for a couple of hours. You don't do that to your grandma. But that's, that's where you can see it. And then there's people that stand there going, ah! And it's like, just, just punch them. And you wonder, why don't they just smack them? Because they're frozen. They're just absolutely frozen. Check this out. Fear is, is as much physical 
as it is mental, or it is very physical as much as it, it is mental. Just doing some, some research, it's like, as soon as you get this, this mm, of fear inside of your body, it releases cortisol and adrenaline in preparation for a fight or a flight. And as this gets dumped into your blood system, it begins to affect you physically. It changes your heart rate, it changes your blood flow, and I mean, it changes your perspiration. Your body changes because of your fear, and it can get worse too. Living in fear can eat your being. It can. It's tough. So fear is very physical, not just mental when we think about somebody being afraid. The other thing is fear can cause you to freeze up. I shared that with you. When your amygdala, uh, yeah, amygdala kicks in, your cerebral cortex starts shutting down. You start acting chemically instead of rationally see and sometimes that's when peer people freeze up in the movie and get eaten and if you've ever wondered why did they just stand there that's why because they were frozen in fear doesn't make sense to me because I'm a fight or flight I'm not a frozen I'm a fight or flight when it's like that but fear can be exciting now listen some of you people you I mean some people some people not you some people like being afraid they like that you want to say Friday night, kids are in bed, let's watch a scary movie. No, yeah, it'll scare us. We all know the outcome, right? The good guy wins, the bad guy doesn't, and it, it ends up terrible. But, you know, you just like the idea that you're safe because you know the end of the movie, but you get to live 90 or 100 minutes of that movie, and you're, it's just dumping stuff, and you're like, oh, here he comes, he's around the corner, don't do that, you know? And, and you go through that, and you just, and it's like, why do you do that? And it's like, I like it. It's the same reason you go to haunted houses. You know there's no chain on the chainsaw, but when it fires up, you watched that movie. Even though you knew the outcome of the movie, you went to the haunted house, they did the same thing. You got the same reaction, and what happens is you become addicted, here it comes, to the adrenaline. It's like, oh, this is kind of cool. You know, it's a drug, I'm sorry, it's a drug, okay? It's the one your body made, but you like it, and so, Fear can be exciting. Suddenly it becomes a pleasurable thing, a thing, and this article said even intoxicating to you. And so it hits you, but here's the deal. Just like any other drug, what happens is it ends up taking more and more and more to accomplish the same thing. And that can turn into a real problem, okay? Fear is supposed to keep you safe. Believe it or not, it has a purpose. It's supposed to keep you safe. The point of a fearful response in your body is to protect you is to protect you. Do you need to run for your life? Or do you need to fight for your life? And left unchecked, a fear can grow into a phobia. And it can ruin your ability to operate and live a consistent or a quality life. We know people that have phobias. Some of you might have a phobia. I don't think my spider thing is a phobia at this point. Um, but there are people that live in phobias. And here's the deal. Those of us that don't live in phobias, we need to lighten up a little bit. Because feelings are real. And I've often said, as my wife and I, Pastor Janice and I, have been talking about counseling with people, if somebody runs into your office and they're like screaming that there's a green dragon trying to get after them, walking over to them and say, come on, there's no such thing as green dragons, 
isn't going to help. It's like me in a wrong situation saying, okay, now let's calm down, okay? That is not the thing to say when you and your wife are in a heated discussion, okay? Don't do that. But if somebody runs into your office screaming that there's a green dragon trying to chase them, looking them in the eye and saying, there's no such thing as green dragons, stop it. Instead, you get up and you go shut the door and you say, it's okay, we've made this a green dragon free zone and you convince them of that. Now they feel safe, now we can talk about, about why they believe in green dragons. But it's a phobia, see? And fear can do that to you and a phobia can be very very crippling. Let me say at this point that we recognize that Paul told Timothy that the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear. He has not given us a spirit of fear. And we're going we're gonna to look at that in just a second. But I want that in your head as I go through some of this stuff. The Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Now, being afraid is not a sin. Okay? But I personally believe that living in fear, if you chase it down to its root, is a fear of dying. It's a fear of, of, of me dying, of me getting sick, of me getting hurt, of me, and eventually it's the fear of dying. I believe that's where it was birthed from. But let's just say that you're dealing with the fear because some of your fears are relationships, right? Some of your fears are starting over. Some of your fears are this is going to be my life for the rest of my life. Will it ever change? Some of your fears are your finances. Some of your fears are um, people that you love very much on drugs. These are the things that, that we live in fear of, and they begin to kind of cripple us and kind of lock us up and keep us from experiencing the life that God wants for us. I believe very, very much there comes a place where we've got to stop and we've got to say, we're not going to beat the fear, but we can move forward from the fear. If the goal is to beat the fear, I believe you'll spend the rest of your life doing it. If the goal is to move forward through the fear, I believe we can do that. Check this out. I believe that if we're going to do that, first thing we have to do is name it. Stop hiding from it. It's okay for you to say, I'm really afraid of this. And it's not right for anybody to embarrass, shame, or humiliate you for that. Check this out. The things that we hide from are the things that control us. Can I do that for you again? The things that we hide from are the things that control us. When we live in fear of somebody finding out that I did this, somebody finding out that this happened to me, the fear that you have might be that somebody knows that you were abused. The fear that you have might be that somebody finds out that before Jesus you were an abuser. The fear that you have might be um, you know, somebody finding out that you're addicted to drugs and you've been able to hide it. The fear might be, but see, when we try to hide it, the more we try to hide it, the more it owns us because you will begin to make decisions and choices based on hiding that and keeping it in the closet, as we would say. And we're afraid it's going to come out of the closet. And in the world we live in today where anything that you did 20 years ago becomes the reason to cancel you, yeah. It creates a fear in our, in our being. What if somebody backed up in your life 20 years, opened the closet door, and said, look at there. I would live in fear of that, wouldn't I? 
until I had a great conversation with a young lady um, out here at the car show this past weekend, yesterday, and, and just began to talk about the things that we've been through in each of our lives and what Jesus has done, and they're looking for a church, and I was telling her about this church and, and who you are and who we are together, and, and, and just the idea that if we can take what's happened to us or what we've done and put it in God's hand, kind of a Romans 8.28 sort of thing, amazing things can happen. But the more that I try to hide it, the more control it has over me personally. And God came to set me free from that. God has forgiven us, so let's live in that forgiveness. Let's forgive ourselves and not live in fear. The second thing is you have to determine its actual validity. Just because somebody says that there's no green dragons doesn't mean there aren't in your head right now, but you shut the door, you seal the door so that you can sit down and talk about the validity of green dragons. Sooner or later, we have to look at why we're hurting. One of the first things that I learned um, from my counselor when I went to see him, when, when he began to ask me questions, and he would say, Joe, why do you think that? And I would say, because nobody wants to be my friend. And he would say, is that true? And I would say, yes. And he would say, well, do you have a friend? And I would say, well, I have one friend. And he would say, so you have one friend? Well, yeah, but it's just one friend. So you have no other friends. Well, I have another friend. But see, I perpetrate on myself the idea that nobody wants to be around me and I don't have any friends when the fact of the matter is I just listed two friends. So a therapist helps us. We name the fear, okay? We name it and stop hiding from it, and then we actually determine the validity of it. I'm afraid that nobody will be my friend. Yeah, but you have friends, see? The third thing is we have to choose not to be frozen by our fear. And that happens a lot. People are afraid to go to college because they think they're not smart enough. They listen to the devil. You're afraid to ask that girl out because what if she says no? And listen, I'd let you ladies in on a little secret. I don't care how macho he is. I don't care if he's the quarterback of the football team and they say his name every Friday night. He's still scared to ask you out. Unless he has a friend who talked to your friend who told his friend that if he, her friend said she'll say yes, then his friend should ask. And so he comes and says, her friend said that you should do this because she said that. And thank goodness I'm not in high school anymore. Wow. Just go ask her out. But I'll tell you what, ladies, when he does, he's sweating. He's scared. I don't care how macho he's coming off. He's terrified because you have power. You can say no. <laughs> and if you say no, you have wrecked his little world. <laughs> been there, done that, okay? Been through that, whatever you want to call it. All right? You've been there. And, and it's the truth. And so as we look at this thing, we, we recognize we can't let it frees us. We've been called to become more than conquerors. Hooper Nikeo. And I'm not saying overcome the fear. I'm saying if you're afraid, use it to propel yourself forward. Use it to propel yourself forward. Because here it is. This is how I know people are living in fear. And this is how I know they're living in fear of death. And listen, you can argue with me six ways from Sunday and I will be happy to hear it. But I'll tell you what, I will drag you right back to this is living in fears. Yeah, but what if, there it is, you're living in fear. No, I'm not. I'm just saying, what if? Why are you pointing to the fear if you're not living in fear? Why are you worried about what if this happens and it's fearful if you're not living in fear? You're living in fear when you say, and, and you can tell, 
If you find yourself all the time saying, well, I don't think we should do that because what if you're living in fear? You really are. Because check this out. What if we chose to move forward through the fear and instead we say, what if you succeed? What if as Christian people we said, well, what if we succeed? What if we win? What if she says yes? What if I can't go up front and be, be prayed over, be healed, because what if I'm not healed? What if? But what if you are? What if you are accepted when you ask that person out? What if they say yes? What if you are restored when you go back and ask forgiveness from somebody? What if that relationship is better than it's ever been? What if that? See? What if you get the job? No, I can't fill out that application. I'm underqualified. Nobody wants me. My boss before won't give me it. What if they hire you? It could happen. And it's just as true as what if I fail. It's just as valid as what if. But we, for some reason, are a society of people that we like the negative. Watch the news. We want to see things blow up, somebody get hurt, it gets bloody, it's awful. We're sorry for them. But wow, was that a story. By the way, did you see the one about the guy that got ate by the blue whale? I passed that one around. He was only in there 30 seconds, but that had to have been like 10 years. You know, when everything gets dark, thank goodness those things eat krill and not people. Those are little tiny itty-bitty things. But he got spit out 30 seconds later. It had to have felt like an eternity when you're wondering if you're about to be digested. Whoo! Hello, Jonah. Anyway, what if? In the late 70s, people would quote that people are more afraid of public speaking than they are of nuclear war. And actually, I, I would believe that. I was going to write down that I don't think that's true anymore, except that I've got staff members that are like, if you get me up on that stage and you make me talk to this church, that is the last day I'm going to work for you. I just need you to know I'm going to quit. Well, there went that, because I believed them. I did. Now, you could say, yeah, but what if they did it? Well, I'm not taking that chance, okay? I like them. I think we have a great staff right now. You're just not going to see a whole bunch of them being paraded up here as speakers. They don't want to do that. But I believe that more often than not, our fears are grounded in death. Check this out. In the book of Genesis, Scripture says, and the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to them and said, Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid. It's the first time we have fear mentioned. And I was afraid. Because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, The woman you put here with me, that you did it, Lord, gave me the fruit, and I ate it. she ate it, and I ate it. And then the Lord said to the woman, What is this you've done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me. It was him. And to some degree, there's a little bit of a, You put him here. And so we see that that continued to unfold and unfold and unfold, and it, it caused death. It caused the death of their relationship to God. It caused death of their relationship in the garden, and it caused death of their relationship with eternity. See, when Adam was created, he was never going to die, ever. But he chose to rebel against God, and so inside of our, our soul now is, I believe, this fear of dying. I'm going to die now. When? 
And we have a multi-billion times billion dollar culture of people saying, man, you've got to make sure that we don't die when the crazy part is dying is a part of living. And I get that we don't want to go yet. I get, I get that. But check this out. The natural inherent fear of dying also keeps people from living their lives. It does. They're so afraid that it might go wrong and it might fail and I might screw it up and I might and, and, and eventually die that they won't live their lives. An inherent fear keeps them from moving forward with their lives. Guess what? You can't change yesterday. You can apologize for it. You can ask forgiveness for it. You can receive forgiveness for it. You can forgive yourself. But nothing's going to happen until you put your right foot in front of your left foot, unless you're left-handed. Then your left foot in front of your right foot and move forward. Until then, you're frozen in your fear. And you're going to stay right there. Natural inherent fear of dying keeps us from taking a chance. I was a chance taker. I love taking chances. My wife's hoping that at 60 I slow down. She's thanking God for two new hips that say you can't jump off the bridge anymore. I can't do it. I'm missing it. I'm missing it. The idea of jumping off the Victoria Bridge and Victoria Falls, Zimbabwe again was on my list. It's not going to happen again. In my brain, they'll just yank right out. And that's a gross thought, and so there we are. Inherent natural fear keeps us from believing that we can experience the miraculous life that God wants us to have. Do you realize that that's what he wants for you? And sometimes it keeps us from succeeding in our lives. Do you want the job that you have now for the rest of your life? Do you want your marriage to only be as good as it is right now for the rest of your life? Mine keeps getting better. It really does. It takes investment and work. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. But at the end of the day, it, I want it to keep getting better until I die. I do. And so I'm not going to live in fear. I do live in a little bit of fear of screwing it up. I do. And it keeps me on my guard. I don't want to lose my marriage. So I stay inside the hedges that I've set. So when people say, yeah, but what if it all go, goes wrong? It's like, mm, you're living in fear. Check this out from the book of Hebrews chapter 2. Since the children have flesh and blood, he, Jesus, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. It keeps us from living. It keeps us from saying, God's ahead of us. He's already down the road that we're thinking about going. And if we don't go, then he'll still be here. Because there's no place that you can go to separate yourself from God. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he's made... He had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he is tempted, he is able to help those being tempted. And look at here what Jesus said in John 14. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach, all, uh, teach you all things and remind you of everything that I've said to you. Peace I get, leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. And look what he says. Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. Don't let your hearts be troubled, but don't live in fear. 
Don't live in fear. Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. You'll miss the joy that God had in store for you. Don't live in fear. It's going to be all right. Press forward. Can you trust God when you're scared? David, in that psalm that we started with, Psalm 56, I'm under vows to you, my God. I will present my thank offerings to you, for you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. Yeah, I can trust God. Because for me to leave this earth is to enter into my reward. And that's the goal, to go home, not to stay here. Yeah, I'd like to go when it's the right time, but I promise you, you can't leave before and you can't stay longer than the right time. It's not possible. No matter what you do, the Lord already knows that. And he's already planned for it. <laughs> Successful people are not people who do not have fear. They are people that do have fear push through it they take the fear with them but it's dragging behind it's not leading it can come but it has to take second seat that's how it's going to be like our song for today she said I'll rise up I'll rise up and I'll do it again a thousand times and that's what the Lord is saying you don't have to live in fear get back up don't worry, everybody's going to find out. Don't wear that coat of shame. Don't carry that burden. It's not yours. Don't let it entangle you. Don't let it weigh you down. Set it at the feet of Jesus. Because whatever it is you're afraid that people will find out God's already forgiven you for and he wants you to forgive you. I'm not saying rent a billboard and put it up there for everybody. I'm just saying the day is going to come when that thing that you're afraid of is going to be put into God's hands by you and God's going to use it to touch somebody else's life. And they're going to find healing, and they're going to have hope in Christ because of what you did. There's not a one of us that's not broken. There's not a one of us that's not in need. And we're here to encourage, like I said in the song, to encourage one another to rise up. I don't know what you're afraid of today. I don't know what you would say you hold in your hands that you're scared of. But I would encourage you, don't be afraid to let these people pray for you about it. Because this is a time to say, you know what, I want to lay this down, God, and push through it from here. And give the Lord a chance, whatever it is going to be. Let's pray. Father God, as we come before you right now, we thank you and we praise you. Because you said you've not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. You made it clear to us, God, that that you didn't want us living a half-life, an empty life, a hollow life. But God, you want us living a life present with you, with your Holy Spirit in it and your power. Not that we're not have problems, but that we'll not let the darkness crowd out our light. That we will not sit down and be quiet because the darkness is so loud that there's a place for us to stand up and shine and bring hope and, and to see that what if you do this, God? And to believe that whatever it is that we're afraid of that you might be calling us into could absolutely be the most amazing thing in our life. God, I ask your forgiveness for our sins here today. 
I speak forgiveness for our sins here today. You said whatever we forgive on earth will be forgiven in heaven. So I release that here, God. Now we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come into our being. Help us to push this fear out, to walk past it. We just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.